So this morning, um, I'm going to be, well, you guys are going to be all over the place if you can keep up. Um, <laughs> you guys can turn to, let's do Matthew 4. I'm going to share quite a few scriptures before we get there, but at least you'll be at that one when we get there. Um, well, as you guys know, we've started a series on Advent. This will go up through Christmas Eve, which we'll have a service at 5 o'clock. I'm really excited to be able to do this this year. Uh, I encourage you guys to really take this in, because we might not do Advent again for a year or two. It's just been cool through the years. We normally have a message or two on Christmas. Um, but we've found a lot of times as we're just teaching through the Bible verse by verse, whatever passage we're in just seems to really tie into the theme of Christmas, which is really all about Jesus anyways. Go figure that it works out really cool that way. Um, hey, can you leave the Christmas one up? Thank you. That's a cool picture though. I just like the snowy effect. Didn't you guys just love that this morning? I go outside and look and it's just like, yeah. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> anyways, uh, Advent. In your bulletin, if you look at that, uh, this is what we're going to be covering over the next four weeks. Last week we looked at hope. Uh, we're going to look at love. Again, Advent's what? The arriving of or the coming of. And we talked last week just the reality of Advent is celebrating the comings of Christ. And we know as we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating his coming and what he did 2,000 years ago. But we also have an anticipation as believers for his second coming. And we know he's coming again. And that's pretty exciting. So how do we practically as believers celebrate appropriately <laughs> uh, this reality of his arrival and looking forward to his arrival. So next week we'll look at joy and peace. I'm pretty excited to talk about this morning. Do you guys think there's any better subject or topic than God's love? No. So we're going to dive in a little bit. I'm hoping that you guys are going to be stirred up a lot as we go through this. Um, and before we jump in, um, yeah. The world doesn't like Christmas. Do you guys know that? Like, honestly, there's some people, like, we're buying gifts right now. We're in stores, and you can tell which places don't allow their employees to say Merry Christmas. You say it to them, and they get that look like, oh, ah, <laughs> happy holidays, you know? And the world just doesn't get it, you know? The Mexicans get it. The Spanish get it. You know, and the world's finally catching on to what Christmas is really about, right? Christmas, more Jesus, right? And the world doesn't like that. So what do they do instead? Uh, uh, happy holidays. Well, pfft, world, guess what happy holidays means, okay? Holy days. You know, it's just they can't win. And I wish they would just come to the conclusion that, hey, we have to acknowledge God. He is there. And praise God that we do have an opportunity to really cease this season of Christmas because the world doesn't want to hear about Jesus. But we have a short few weeks where we get to really talk openly with people and even family that we don't get to see that often. We come together when? Around the holidays, around Christmas, and we just get to share our hope. So this morning we're going to be talking about the advent of love, okay? Um, when we consider this time of year and we consider some of the gifts that you will give this Christmas because, uh, well, you have to. You guys know which gifts I'm talking about? For your boss or maybe some other employees that you work with or those family members. The ones that you just have to get something for. Um, 
But there's also those other gifts that you're going to give. You're going to give to somebody that you love, that you're excited about giving them a gift because you know it's going to be a blessing to them. And isn't there a difference between those two? Absolutely. Absolutely. We know probably the most well-known scripture of all time, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. It was one of those love gifts, wasn't it? He looked forward. Hey, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge or to condemn the world, but that through him they might be saved. And that was all because God gave a gift out of love that we might be saved. There's no need in sending a Savior if we don't need a Savior, correct? We need a Savior. And there is no greatest gift. And that's why we're really talking this Advent about making room for Jesus. Because it's all about Him. You know, to be honest, guys, it's hard. Especially this time of year. You know? This last week, man, I just preached a week ago. Hey, we got to make room, guys, for Jesus. This needs to be a priority for us. But I get excited about presents. I like getting stuff. I like giving stuff. You know, I'll be honest with you guys. And it's easy just to get consumed in that stuff. But again, it comes back to are we making that room for the Lord? So the idea of making room for Jesus this Christmas seems to be absurd. Uh, but it's not. And we really know it. We need to make it a priority. We need to give place for it. You see, the story of the very first Christmas is that there was no room for Jesus. Where are we going to go? Mary ended up giving birth where? Because there was no room. You see, the love, God, the love gift of God is relegated to a cold, dark cave. And we don't always uh, want what we should. Do you guys agree with that? We don't always want what we should. Actually, turn to John 3. Keep your finger here. We'll go back. Because as we consider this great verse of John 3.16 about God giving this gift, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's how much he loved us. That whoever believes, and I hope you're a believer this morning, and if you're not, I hope that you are by the time we leave here because you've seen how much God loves you and how much this gift cost him and how much you need this gift. But we don't always want what we should. Look at verse 19 here in John 3. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. This gift has come. Jesus has come. He's arrived. And men what? They loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And that is so true of us, guys. We don't always want what we should. We settle for so much less, guys. God has given us everything. He's given us a hope that we spoke of last week that is sure. There is no greater hope of the world than this gift that we have through Christ Jesus. This gift that we could be forgiven, redeemed, be given eternal life. Nothing like it. All right, I was going to have you guys turn a bunch, but you need to see some of these scriptures. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 3, last book in the Bible. <clears throat> you know this passage well. We're going to look at verse 20, Revelation 3.20. 
And again, guys, the context here, a lot of people think, hey, this isn't, this isn't a, a believer. This is a non-believer, and they need to answer the Lord when he calls. No, this in context, he's writing to Christians. Again, Christians, we don't always want what we should. It tells us here in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door. This is Jesus speaking. I'm standing at the door, and I'm knocking to you, believers, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in with him and I will dine with him and he with me. God desires that. But hey, we don't always want what we should. I got other things going on. I'm too busy right now, Jesus. This isn't unbelievers. This is believers. And are we going to make room for him, brothers and sisters? That's what this is all about. And when we gaze upon the Lord and we look at how much he loves us, it's going to grip our hearts. We're going to be in a place of, yeah, absolutely, I'm opening this door right now, please. <laughs> there is nothing better than you, Jesus. So, Father, we do pray as we just consider your love here, that you would open our hearts to understand, to comprehend uh, just, <laughs> just how great and amazing your love for us is. And what that means, because I think we often react to this gift, to your love in inappropriate ways. So would you please, Lord, just um, by your spirit, anoint me to speak these truths in a way that we can receive, to have ears to hear, and for your glory, Jesus. Amen? So, when we hear Jesus knocking, okay, the Holy Spirit's prompting us, isn't he? And you guys know what I'm talking about, the Holy Spirit promptings? If you're born again of the Spirit, you know absolutely what I'm talking about. But we don't always respond to those promptings. The Bible talks and warns us not to grieve Him. And we are good at grieving the Spirit at times. So, when He pricks us, we have to be prepared. And there's, there's a right way to be prepared. And that's what I want to challenge us with as we go through uh, the next few weeks as we consider making room for Jesus, because Advent really is a time of self-examination. Would you guys agree? Because if you're a Christian, I believe our lives are continually in a place of self-examination. If you are those who are led by the Spirit, the Spirit of truth will come, and He will guide, He will convict, He will convince you of things that are right. That's a life in the Spirit. And if you do your Bible study like you should as a Christian, it's just there every day. I don't know about you guys, but every time I open up the Word, it's like, you're right, God. I don't know how my thinking has gotten so far off, but you're absolutely right. Thank you for speaking the truth to me again in love. And we need to be in that place to receive. So Christianity is a thing of self-examination under the leading of the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit. We're told in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything that is in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. We should be in that place of, please, Father, search me, know my heart. Okay? Because I know what the Bible says about my heart. I know it's wicked and deceitful above all things. I think I can be doing right, good but I might be missing the mark completely. Would you please come? And have you had that heartfelt prayer before your Heavenly Father lately? 
because it's easy to get so busy and caught up in life and the busyness of the season that we haven't had that time out to really get with him and be honest and be real and ask him, please help, Father. So here's the most pressing preparation and the most telling self-examination is when we let God come in and examine our hearts. So we must answer the question when it comes to this arrival of love, of this gift, okay? Are you, are you prepared personally to be loved? That's what I have to ask you guys this morning. Are you prepared to be loved? You see, everyone wants to be loved, but the question of whether or not we are ready to be loved by God is different matter entirely. So what do you think that means? What does it mean? Are you ready to be loved by God, by his love? You see, there are perhaps two sorts of people that will readily answer that question. The naughty and the nice, right? So we have the naughty. I have to and can do something to earn God's love. That's the mentality of the nice, isn't it? Okay, being ready means making myself lovable by being better. Oh, sorry, this is the naughty. The naughty, I have to do something to earn God's love. Okay, you guys know what I'm talking about? Your kids, kids ever get busted with something? Oh, they're in trouble? Don't they try to do something to earn back favor? They're your kids, you're just going to love them anyways. It doesn't matter what they do or don't do. You love them. It's the same thing with our Heavenly Father, right? He just loves us. But we have that mentality of the naughty, don't we? I got to do something to be lovable. And then we have the nice. I'm already lovable, okay? Being ready means expecting the love that I deserve because, hey, I'm nice, I'm good. Of course God's going to love me. God's not like Santa Claus. Do you guys know that? He's not checking a list. <laughs> he doesn't work on naughty and nice. No one is merely naughty either, and no one is merely nice or anywhere near nice. To the supposed nice, the scripture says to you, you are not lovable. And to the supposed naughty, the scriptures say you will never be lovable. And to the supposed nice, the scripture says all have gone astray. Okay? None have done good. You're wretched. You're blind. And you don't even know it. To the supposed naughty, the scripture says you cannot make yourself lovable, right? Even our good works before the Lord are what? As filthy rags. Our thinking is so messed up, guys. You see, we need to remember from last week that God's description for his people, when it talks about that hope for his people in Isaiah, that they couldn't do it. They were under the law, and they knew how they blew it. They didn't have a hope, and that's why God had to come and to do so as we prepare ourselves for God's love to appear, it is to realize that we are not and can never be lovable. We need to understand, as we considered last week, we don't have a leg to stand on. It's all God. It's because of him. So the law shows us that God's holy, right? Isn't that what the law is for? You're absolutely perfect. You are holy. And we have what? We've blown it. <laughs> We are wicked. We are wretched. 
Isaiah 1.4 says, Oh, what sinful nation they are, loaded down with the burden of guilt. They are evil people, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. And then we considered last week in chapter 1, and I love verse 18, Come now and let us reason together. You guys remember going through that? God wants us to think through these things with him, to reason with him. Though your sins were as scarlet, they will be white as snow. And though they are red like crimson, they will be as white as wool. You see, the truth about Christmas is that we are more wicked than we ever dared imagine, but we're more loved than we ever dared dream. That's what the Bible teaches us. God does not love us because we are lovable. We are not, we're loved simply because God is loved. Do you guys understand that? It's because of him, his love, not what we do. Because we've all fallen short. We can't do. That's why he had to do, and he did it because he is love. So we are loved only because he is love. So to prepare ourselves for Christmas is to see that we too were like Israel, spoken of back there in chapter 9 which is quoted here in Matthew 4, if you're there. Jesus quoted it here in verses 15 and 16. The land of Zebulon and the land of Nephtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness, they saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. So Advent is a coming, and a coming again of a great light that dawned the Messiah. Jesus has come to the people in darkness. So Christ is the love gift of the Father. And only then can we be prepared to receive God's love. Because only then do we see the true nature of of God, of him being love. It's not deserved. We are not nice. It cannot be earned. We are not merely naughty. God loves us because of who he is and not because of who you are. Boom. I drop a mic if it wasn't connected. <laughs> okay, That's what it comes down to. It is all him. So God loves us because of who he is and not because of who we are. We are, in light of God's holiness, altogether unlovable. He does not love us because we are lovable. He loves us because he is love. And truly, this is the good news. You guys understand that? That's what makes the gospel good news. We need that. And we need to know the truth. People have a mentality, well, <laughs> I know God's love. And because we are innately good, you know, not really many of us that are really evil, you know, most of us are going to get to go to heaven someday. They're not understanding who God is. When you really look to who he is, you'll understand who you are. Now let's turn to Luke chapter 2 real quick. Verse 10 and 11. It says, then an angel 
said to them, I bring you good news of great joy. So again, here's the emphasis of why the good news is good news, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is the gospel. This is the good news. So why is it good news? Why is this Christmas? Well, if you think God loves you because of you, then you will think God does not love you because of you. Does that make sense? Logically, yes. That's why understanding the gospel biblically is so important for you and I as believers. So if you think God loves you because of what you do, your thinking is wrong. See, this truly is good news. And the good news is we are unlovable, but God is love. And aren't you glad that that love has arrived through Christ? For many of us, we often think, assume, and feel, surely God cannot love me anymore. Working in the jail the last six years, I've met with so many people. I've gone too far. I've did too much bad. I've sinned too far. There's no coming back from that. Guys, I've talked to saints who've never been incarcerated that also find themselves under that same guilt and shame. There's good news. Because it's not about you. It's not based upon you. It's about who he is. And he is love. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. Or for the nice... You underestimated love. You think you deserve, but is so much more than you could even know. That's the thing. Those who are self-righteous, good people, they have limited their understanding of who God is. That's why God doesn't like religion, I think. Because it's about us doing. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Fifth book of the Bible. Some of you guys might have been asking, why didn't we do communion this morning? We're going to do communion in a moment. We waited to uh, partake it, of it together in light of this message. Because really, guys, as we lay out all that God has done, who he is, the arrival of love, there is that reality that he has done it all, that he is um, <laughs> the good news. It's in him, and it is good to look to him. And I want you guys to look here, and again, as we consider this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 7, here's Moses, okay? I want you to think real quick on Moses. Who was he? Well, <laughs> he was a sinful guy, right? <laughs> I can't do nothing. Why would you use me? You know, I'm a murderer, <laughs> okay? They're out to get me, <laughs> and you want me to do this? Now, God used him mightily to deliver the children of Israel. But Moses speaks here, God is speaking through Moses, considering the children of Israel. In verse 7 of Deuteronomy 7, it says, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you, 
and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now therefore, or know therefore, <clears throat> that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to thousandth of his generation. So, if God's love for us is not based on our being lovable, if it is not deserved, then it's going to be greater than we could ever deserve or warrant ourselves. If God's love for us is not based on us being good, if it cannot be earned, then it will remain when we fail. You guys understand what he's declaring here. It cannot be earned. It can't be lost. I love that. The naughty and nice don't like that. <laughs> but hopefully you guys are in a place of saying, hey, <laughs> I get this. This is the good news. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. You guys get that? You know, people just don't come to church. They don't worship. They don't walk with God just because they don't think he loves them but he loves them unconditionally sacrificially eternally as we're told therefore i have drawn you with loving <laughs> kindness isn't it his love that leads us to repentance guys absolutely it's his love it's not our love no one loves god we can't love him unless we are responding to him in love and that agape, I love <laughs> when Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? If you actually break down the Greek, you know, Jesus asked him, hey, do you love me like I love you? <laughs> Peter pretty much by saying, he says back, Lord, you know I love you. But if you look in the Greek, he's saying, no, I don't love you like that. How can you? <laughs> like, <laughs> I love you like, like a brother. Like, that's the best I can do. But do you think when Peter was baptized with the Holy Spirit, he got a little glimpse of what that love really looked like. Absolutely. You look what he did. He wasn't a man who loved Jesus, but he couldn't stand for him. He ended up denying him. But once he tasted the Holy Spirit, which what has shed abroad in our hearts, the love of God, aren't we told that in the scriptures? It's his spirit that does that. What would Peter do once he was born again of the Spirit of God. I mean, he died for Jesus. There's no more denying. He had to speak the truth. He had to speak the good news that others would know the love of God also. He would no longer deny Jesus, try to hide his beliefs. No, when you've tasted and seen the goodness of God's love, you have to share. It's just what happens. So, if God's love is based on on who he is and not on who we are, then God's love, it cannot fail. It is unconditional. That means unmerited, undeserved, unearned. It's a faithful love. It's a conventional love. You see, one or on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took a cup, didn't he? And what did he do? He said, drink from it, okay, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness 
of sins. Why did Jesus go to the cross? It was love, wasn't it? Wasn't it love that kept him there? He was God. He could have called down legions of angels and put a stop to it all. It was love. So what I'd like to do is take a pause this morning from the sermon and partake in communion with you guys at this time. So if I could have a couple of the guys uh, grab the elements and pass those out. I want you guys just to take a moment because I wanted to give us a place to really consider the love of God, to really make place and get a grasp. And we just went through a few scriptures. I hope you guys are studying the Bible because his love is all over the place. So as these guys pass it out, I want you to hang on to it. We'll all partake together this morning. So we celebrate Advent, Christmas. Again, what are we doing? We're celebrating his life, his first coming, right? We're looking forward to his second coming. And that's communion, isn't it? Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he said, hey, partake, eat of this, what? Remember my life. Remember that I came, and I did. And why did he do that? Why did he live that life? Why was he willing to go to that cross to die for you and I, that we could be forgiven? It was because of love. And I love reading the Gospels. Don't you love reading? I mean, God loved. He loved the unlovable. He went out of his way to love on people. Even when his Jewish disciples were like, what are you thinking, Jesus? You're a rabbi. You're a Jewish man. What are you going to go to the Gentiles? Yeah, yeah. don't they even eat from the crumbs of the master's table? See, that's the far-reaching love of God, guys. It will go anywhere and everywhere. And as we consider his faithful love, guys, he was faithful to the point of death. He fulfilled everything, lived that perfect life, did the Father's will. Was it easy? No, but was it a joy for him? Absolutely. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. 
So why don't we partake of the bread together at this time, just remembering his faithful life and love for us. See, God's love, it's based upon an unbreakable covenant. And it is inaugurated and enforced and fulfilled by him and him alone. I love it. Behold, I have inscribed you upon the palms of my hands. Really? You love me so much? When did he do that, guys? Hung upon a tree for you because he loved you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, that's where it makes it personal, guys. Does God love everybody? Absolutely. Is everyone going to spend eternity with him? No, because not everybody responds to that love. As we read earlier, what do people do? They love the darkness more than the light. God has showed us. He demonstrated Romans 5, 8. When we were yet sinners, Christ what? Died for us. Didn't he demonstrate love? That's true love, isn't it? Love your enemies. That's exactly what he did. When we were at war, enmity with our God, that's when he loved us the most. He laid down his life for us. And your names are inscribed in his hands. Think about that. He foreknew you guys. He knew that you would be one of these that chose him, that would say, yes, I believe. And in that covenant, he's given us this promise that this love, this good news, it's all on him. And all we can do is remember that covenant that he made. So let's partake of the cup together. Father, we are so, so thankful for this great gift. God, we thank you that you came into this world not to judge us, but to set us free. Father, we thank you for that hope. We thank you for that love. We are so grateful. So as we wrap this up this morning, I want to consider and unpack this just a little more. The naughty and the nice prefer judgment. Jesus didn't come to judge the world, but that's what the naughty and the nice would rather have. You see, the nice uh, does not sweat it. You know, I'll, I'll be shown to be good, right? L look at me. And, and that's religion today. That's why people are drawn to a religious system. And Jesus came and spoke against that traditional religion. Okay, and the the people of the day, the religious people of the day were very taken back. What are you talking about? You know, there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians, but they adhere to a gospel that is contrary to God's word and what he's declared. Well, I go to church, I believe, and I'm a good person. That's why I get to go to heaven. And they've been lied to their entire life. They've never humbled themselves and said, God, what do you say? They're playing the nice card. 
I'm a good person. That's what the church is teaching me. I even signed off. I even got confirmed that way. They said, if I just do good, <laughs> then I'm in. You've been lied to. And that's the system of every religion in the world. You guys know that? You study any religion in the world, it's going to be based upon your good works. Good news is no good news then if you can do it. <laughs> the truth is we can't. That's why Jesus did it. That's why the good news is good news for you and I. You see, the, the naughty, on the other hand, is willing uh, to sweat for it because they're going to make themselves good. You know, <laughs> I know I'm naughty, but if I just do enough of this, you know, throw up enough prayers, give enough money, redeem myself. Um, you can't, though. See, religious impulse wants to earn and display, but the one who is truly prepared for the love of God knows, knows the truth, knows that God gave. It's not what we give and do. It's what he gave. So for unto us, a child is born unto us. A son is what? Given. Do you guys get that? We looked at that last week in depth. Why is that so important? Because that's the only hope we have. And it's because of God being love that he gave to us. And he didn't give just for a few. God so loved the world that he gave. He desires none to perish. And that's why we need to share the good news, guys. We need to share this love with others. See, it's not about naughty or nice. It's about God's conventional love that has brought us grace, that has brought us peace that man is looking for. The judgment is to be sweated, but Christ has done the sweating for us, didn't he? He actually sweat great drops of blood, we're told, there on Gethsemane. Why? Because there was no other way. He had to. He took the sins upon himself. It was so stressful that he actually sweat blood. That's how intense it was. So what about the judgment day for you? Let's turn to, well, I'll just read this. I just want you to listen. It's, it's poetry. I don't know. We've been spending a lot of time in Isaiah. It's beautiful. The language is beautiful. I just want you, if you want to close your eyes, you can. Just listen. I'm going to read a few random verses out of Isaiah 55. It says here, and again, the invitation is for all people. The gospel is for all people. God's love is for all people. And he says this, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come. Take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. Wow! We also read in Isaiah 49, verses 13 and on, it says, Shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth. Break forth in a joyful shouting, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted, and his people 
and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me. But the Lord said, can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Call on me now while he is near. And let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that they may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song. The trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where thistles grew, martels will sprout up, and these events will bring great honor to the Lord's name, and they will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. These are some gifts, guys. I don't know if you guys understand this. Told you before, I confessed. I like giving presents. I like giving presents. I love that part of it. But we got to make room. Are you ready to receive the best gift? Are you ready to receive the love of God? You see, there are some gifts you will give this Christmas because, well, you have to. But there are the gifts that you will give because you love to. Because you love that person and you know the difference you know the difference between them when you get to you see advent then is making room for the love of god first of all and there's two thoughts i want to close with this morning if you want to turn to ephesians chapter 2 we have a scripture that speaks into this truth this reality you see in re realizing that it has already been brought to us in the incarnation and by the cross of Christ, we get to enjoy it. We get to enjoy this gift. Okay, we're going to look here, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at verses 4 to 7. But God, so pay attention, <laughs> who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? He wants to show us these things, brothers and sisters, but will you receive them? A few weeks back, we talked about the implanted word of God, how important that is that we are receiving the word. Are you guys receiving these promises? This love is not just things written about in a book. This love is active. It is real. It is there to be received because our God lives. He rose from the dead and he's coming back. He loves you, and we're to grow in that love. 
And it's sad because honestly, guys, I see very few Christians that are growing in that love. A lot of them, you know, accept that good news. Wow, God loves me enough. He did that to save me. And they kind of stop there. No, God loves you. And his love is so much greater, so beyond what we could even receive and understand fully. But there is so much more for us every single day of our lives. Receive it, guys, because there's nothing like being loved. We get a little glimpse in our earthly relationships. We have mothers and fathers. They love us. Some of them, not as well as they should. But we get a glimpse of what love should look like. But I'm a dad. I'm not always a good daddy. <laughs> My love is tainted at times. It's selfish at times. Sometimes it's good. And I know it's good because... I've learned it from him. I recognize it because, hey, it reminds me of your unconditional, that real love, God. I encourage you guys, make room to be loved by God. The second thing we need to realize, guys, is that it will be fully displayed when Christ comes again. Live like it. Live like it. We get to live a life out of victory. We're in Christ. We're more than conquerors. Okay? We have received the love of Christ. And that's how we can do what? Really fulfill the greatest commandment. <laughs> loving him back. And the second's like it. Loving others. Isn't that what we're supposed to do as believers? And we can't love well unless we're being loved. And a lot of people today, and if you go to the Christian bookstores and you grab the bestsellers, they're going to tell you, hey, that's right, you need to be loving people, but you need to love yourself first before you can love others. I want to say a bad word. That's just not true. <laughs> it's not true. It is a lie. The Bible says you are so loved by God. That's, that's the deal breaker. That's what makes everything different. That's what allows us to love others properly. Because again, what is love? It's not selfish. And if we have to love ourselves, we're making it about us. And if we're making it about us, any other love that's given still comes back and it's about us. Look what I'm doing. No, if we're receiving God's love, we're going to be loving in ways we don't even recognize we're doing it. It's just going to be so natural in a beautiful outflow. Don't you guys love hanging out with believers that are walking with Jesus? It's just sweet. They're some of the most loving people, and I don't think they even know it. Like, <laughs> it's just who they are because they're receiving from Jesus. I like hanging out with those people. That's the kind of person I want to be. I just want to walk with Jesus and be receiving that love that, hey, it just happens. So, let's turn to 1 John chapter 2, and we'll wrap up with this. So the second thing, guys, realize that it will be fully displayed when Christ comes again, so we get to live like it. Okay, We get to live like it. Um, yeah. I'd say the coolest things I've ever gotten to experience in life um, was the birth of my children. For you guys who've had kids, you know what I'm talking about. It's just, you can't even explain it. Like, especially with my firstborn. Um, like Uriah holds a special place in my heart because I think him, 
how can I say it? Being made manifest. Like, there's this expectation that Christ is coming, right? Sonny tells me one day, hey, we're having our first kid. Whoa. <laughs> Expectations came. Like, I couldn't wait. I'm looking forward to it. And, and like, I knew there was a child in there, like, and nine months of preparation getting ready, you know, and I'm like, all right, I can't wait. Let's just do this. My wife is now in the ninth month. She's in a lot of pain, hard for her to move. She's waking up with those crazy Charlie horses in the middle of the night. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. Anyways, just please come, baby. You know, I can't wait to meet you. But when Uriah came, it hit me, guys, in ways I never even anticipated, ever expected. It was like, oh, boy. My son is manifest, like <laughs> he's here. And that love instantly, like I thought I loved him already being in the womb. There was just something, it was just so much fuller and bigger than I could ever, ever imagine. And for you guys who know our parents, you know what I'm talking about. It's just unreal. And that's the same thing with Jesus coming, guys. Like we have no clue. Like I feel like we just, like we're expecting, we read, we're anticipating it's going to be good, but it's going to be so much greater when he comes back for us. I hope you guys get that. Because when he's full, yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait for the rapture. Like, I don't know. <laughs> come back. I just want him to come. Like, we're going to be, we're going to be as he is. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? We're going to get to love him the way he loves us. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be so much fuller, fully loving. Uh, anyway, it's going to be so good. Let's look at John. John gets us a little glimpse here. 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 28, and we'll get into chapter 3 a little bit. Um, it says, Now little children abide in him, so that when he appears, okay, so this is speaking about the second coming of Christ. When he comes again, when he appears, that we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. You know, are you guys ready? Are you guys so in love with him that when he comes, it's just like, yes, you're here, you know? Or it's going to be like, oh, bummer. <laughs> have you been playing the naughty and nice? Or have you been living in the truth of what the scriptures say about who he is and his love? You see, verse 29 says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. See, chapter 3, verse 1. How great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it does not know Him. They don't get it. We see Merry Christmas, right? <laughs> More Jesus, <laughs> we get it. The world doesn't even like saying Merry Christmas. We get it. Look at verse 2, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be, but we know when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone, verse 3 is huge, everyone who has this hope, and we unpacked hope last week, everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Isn't that beautiful? Okay. If you're looking for his coming, you're going to purify yourself. If you've been struggling, doing things you don't want to do, <laughs> fix your eyes on Jesus, guys. Anticipate his coming. Okay. Why? Because he purifies himself just as he is pure. 
Do you have that hope fixed? I hope so. It's a good place to be in. Sonny's been working at uh, the high school up in De Pere the last five weeks. And um, she grades papers after school. And sometimes, you know, it's just for a half hour, maybe an hour or so. I never know exactly when she's going to be getting home. But I can tell you guys, I'm anticipating it. I look forward to it. I'm looking out the window probably a hundred times. Like, oh, she pulling in yet? She pulling in yet? <laughs> you know? And I didn't know that I liked her that much. Like, I know I like my wife. <laughs> but just, like, that anticipation. Like, I can't wait for her to get home. Like, I really missed her. I can't wait to see her. You know? I want to have that same continual anticipation of Jesus. Just every time I look out the window, it's like, hey, is he coming? You know? Is he coming? It's a good thing to, lay, to wait upon him, to look forward to his coming. So, Father, we do ask, Lord, you've given us much in life. You've made us in your image. We, we get a glimpse of what love looks like or should look like. But knowing your love, Father, and many of us experience that for the first time when uh, we put our faith in you, Jesus, and you alone, and received received you as our Savior, as our God, Lord. In that, we received love. And that's what drew us to you. And we are so thankful for the, the good news that it is that you are a loving God. You so loved us. And we want to respond well to that love. We want to walk in that love. God, so would you please help us to just love as you loved. Lord, you told us the world would know they would see by the love that we have for each other. I just pray that you'd help us to do that well, that we'd be learning from you well. And we so look forward to your coming again, Lord. I thank you for this time of year where we get to celebrate, Father, as we recognize what you did by coming 2,000 years ago. Lord, but in truth, <laughs> you came as a baby. And we know why you did what you did, what you had to do, because we couldn't do it. But we also look forward. You're going to come, not as a baby again, but a king. Father, you're going to set up a kingdom. You are going to rule and reign and set everything straight. We so look forward to that day. Father, and as we expect, as we are eagerly awaiting that time, Father, God, help us to wait well in a way that would please you, Father. And I do ask that your spirit would just stir my brothers and sisters up, Lord, and uh, just your amazing love that you do have for us, God. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.